Thursday, April 5th, 2018, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday, and we try to talk sports with a dose of common sense. We try not to take the sports world too seriously, because there's a lot of things out there to just kind of laugh at. And we are very, very happy to have you here with us today. Happy Thursday to you. You know, slowly but surely, we are plowing our way to the weekend, getting through this work week. Now, if you'd like to contact the show and tell us how your work week is going, we would love to hear from you. Email us, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you've got a suggestion. Maybe you have some feedback for the show. Maybe you need some advice. You know, we're really, really good at handing out some advice. I can tell you that right now. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to contact us. You know, we've got a lot to get to today. There are a couple of news stories coming out in the world of sports we want to cover. And as we do on most Thursdays, we do have our overreactions of the week because it always seems like there are a few things being thrown around in the sports media world and they don't always make the most sense. So on Thursdays, we like to take a look at a few things that are coming out, just kind of weigh them, just kind of consider them, think about them a little bit and try to decide, was this really worth of our t- was this really worthy of our time or was this just some nonsense that you're kind of spitting out there? We will get to those overreactions here in just a few minutes. A couple things coming out in the world of breaking news. First off, got some NFL news and it does concern my hometown Denver Broncos. It seems that Denver Broncos linebacker Von Miller is part of an investigation by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, or the FWC, as they're referred to, following a recent fishing trip with some friends off the coast of Miami. Von Miller, who was on a guided fishing tour, landed a nine and a half foot hammerhead shark on the outing. He posted some photos. He posted a video of the catch on social media. Of course, PETA. We know they are not going to look too fondly at that. PETA saw the social media posts, and they took Miller and company to task, promising to ensure that Miller is held accountable if killing this animal was, as they suspect it was, done illegally. Now, down in that area, hammerhead sharks are classified as Group 3 sharks, according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission website. And harvesting them in state waters is a second-degree misdemeanor. In Florida, second-degree misdemeanors are punishable by up to $500 fine and 60 days in jail as determined by the judge. Now, I don't want to go too deeply into the path of whether or not hunting or fishing is right or wrong or moral or immoral or whatever we want to talk about. I don't want to go down that. I do wonder a little bit how the guide is skating on this because it sounds like it was a guided fishing tour. If I'm on a guided tour, you would think they would be talking to the guide, not to Von Miller, but I understand Von Miller is a bigger name. Von Miller also has more money and draws more attention. But I do have one question. I do have one question about this whole thing with PETA and Von Miller, hunting sharks, the whole thing. Where in the world was PETA when Von Miller was treating Cam Newton so poorly? That's my question. Why wasn't that guy being protected? They're all over, you know, covering this hammerhead shark. 
Why weren't they protecting Cam Newton? Did you see what Vaughn did to him in Super Bowl 50? Where were they protecting Tom Brady in that championship game prior to Super Bowl 50? Did you see what Vaughn did to him? And nothing, nothing from PETA about that. Oh, it's just about the hammerhead shark. Oh, everybody's so worried about the hammerhead shark. What about those two guys? Nobody said a word about that, did they? A little bit interesting. Going to have to keep an eye on this whole situation. I don't know. Might be a little bit two-faced by PETA to, you know, look at these things the way that they are. Some other NFL news coming out. The Baltimore Ravens have reached a one-year agreement with quarterback Robert Griffin III, who will provide an experienced backup to Joe Flacco. You know, the Ravens initially brought in Griffin to throw to receivers in just a workout. But that apparently led to another meeting with team officials, and eventually the Ravens reached an agreement late Tuesday with RG3. Ravens general manager Ozzie Newsom said that Griffin had a real good workout for the team last week, and that was why they actually are going to bring him in on a one-year deal. Now, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick, but we've all kind of forgotten about RG3, haven't we? Why doesn't he have a job? He never had any baggage. The biggest thing with RG3, he couldn't stay healthy. That was probably the most important thing. He was always, always, always hurt. But here is the thing that this signing does make me wonder about. If Robert Griffin III is going to accept a role of being a backup quarterback and that got him this job with Baltimore, and you might hear that and think, what role? He stands there and holds a clipboard. Who cares? That's not much of a role. It's more than that. That's not exactly the case. A backup quarterback is almost like an assistant coach. You're there with the starter. When he comes over for timeouts, you're saying, hey, look for this. Hey, what about this play call? What about this set? What about this personnel group? He's in that quarterback's ear. Before and after games, he is practicing with them. They are looking at film together. He has to have that kind of a role of, like I said, almost an assistant coach. Now, is Colin Kaepernick willing to take that kind of role? Because we haven't heard that, and I don't know that either side. What we've heard is that Colin Kaepernick is deserving of a starting role in the NFL. I don't have any idea if that's the case. Based on what we last saw when he was getting beat out by Blaine Gabbert, I don't think that's the case. But could he come in and take that kind of role? I don't know. That's something else that I'd like to see. Everybody's pressing for him to go out there and get a starting job. I don't know if he's a starting quarterback. Could he have that kind of role? Would he take that kind of role? That would be interesting to me. Little bit of news coming out in college basketball. New Memphis Tigers coach Penny Hardaway has apparently already landed his first commitment. He signed his first official player to scholarship on Tuesday night. Well, sort of. It's his son, Jaden. Now, Jaden Hardaway is a six foot five shooting guard. He spent this past season actually at IMG Academy in Florida after he had played his previous seasons for dad at Memphis East in Tennessee. Now, you might hear that Memphis is signing Penny Hardaway's son, and you might hear that and just go, man, that's some serious nepotism. I mean, goes and gets his son. That's his first recruit, is his own son. And it might be, it might be. They are not saying that he is like one of the most heralded recruits out there. So maybe this is a little bit of nepotism. But I think this might be a little bit more about saving some money. You know, the IMG Academy is way more expensive than the tuition at Memphis. 
I think this is less about Penny acting like Tubby Smith signing his son Saul Smith, who we're not quite sure was really like Kentucky material. And I think this is more about Penny saying, hey, getting him on scholarship here at Memphis actually saves me a grip of money. I think I'd rather have him here than down at the IMG Academy. That place is steep. Like, I can't afford all that kind of money. That's a bunch of money down there. Not kidding you. You look it up. It is like a college tuition down there. They're not playing. That place isn't cheap. Penny's just trying to save a few bucks. Cut him some slack. Finally, it seems that the Arizona Board of Regents is going to vote this week on whether to add language to men's basketball coach Sean Miller's contract that would require Sean Miller to return about $1 million if he's charged with a crime or found guilty of major NCAA violations. The amendment would be in addition to a clause in Miller's current contract, which would require him to return $300,000 and any bonuses if he's found guilty of major or repetitive NCAA violations. Let me see if I have this straight. So he currently has a clause in his contract that says if he's found repeatedly violating these things or major violations with the NCAA, he's got to give up 300 grand and any bonuses. They're going to up that to a million bucks. That That's all? Like, I heard the headline on this and everyone was saying, Arizona is going to vote whether or not Miller is going to forfeit all his money. Well, they're just going to up the amount. Like, that's not that much of a difference, is it? They're just upping the amount and saying, hey, if you do get caught on this stuff, you're going to owe some money back. That was it. That's all. This isn't news. <laughs> I mean, that's not that shocking. Sean Miller's contract is going to be amended if he gets found guilty on some of this stuff. That's not that shocking. His contract might get amended a lot because it might end up in the shredder. That's not really news. If he gets found guilty on this stuff, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. I don't know if they're going to find him guilty. I don't think they will. I think he'll probably skate on most of this stuff personally. But uh, yeah, that's not news. Speaking of things that don't always make the most sense, coming back, the sports media world, like we just saw, has a way of throwing out hot takes our way that don't always make the most sense. When we return, we're going to laugh at and mock some of those hot takes. So every week, we like to take a look around the sports world, and we like to see what overreactions the sports media might be jamming down our throats. And it seems like every single week, honestly, I have a hard time fitting them all into the Thursday show because we get a lot of things thrown at us that aren't really news. It's like the thing with Sean Miller. Oh, you're telling me if he gets in trouble, his contract's going to get altered? Oh, that's really shocking. There are a number of things that were thrown out this week. Few things that I want to get to first and foremost concerning college basketball, but there were a lot of things thrown out this week. We hear a number of these overreactions every single week. And when we do, I mean, we just kind of react with a very, very simple response. That was an overreaction. So here are a few overreactions that we heard, of course, with the March Madness Tournament wrapping up this past week. The first take I've heard, and I have heard it from a number of big name media people, and that is March Madness had some excitement. It was okay. But actually, it really wasn't a great tournament. Because what professional players are on Michigan or Villanova? I mean, you have like Mo Wagner, Mikhail Bridges, I think, can play in the NBA. Jalen Brunson, possibly, if he gets in the right fit, I think he can play in the NBA. Other than that, like this is a bunch of nobodies. Like this isn't a great tournament. 
when the best teams go out there and they don't even have that much NBA talent on them, that's not that great of a tournament. Like, we want to see NBA kind of players. Seems to be a hot take right now. Tournament wasn't that good because we aren't watching 10 future NBAers on the floor in every single game. Once again, and we've talked about this a little bit in college football, this whole snobby elitist mentality of, well, I only watch the sports that have future professionals because my sports palette is a little more refined than yours is. Please stop. Stop it. It doesn't make any sense. I love the fact that Loyola Chicago made a run in this tournament playing old school fundamental basketball. Here's the thing. If you don't like it, don't watch and never discuss it again. But here's the question that I have for those college elitists. And like I said, I've had this same thing with college football. Well, I don't like watching college football because I don't want to see a guy like Tim Tebow have success because he's not going to have success in the NFL. That's what makes it so great is the fact that these guys are having that kind of success. That's what makes it so fun. That's why college football is fun. That's why college basketball is fun. We're never going to see these guys from Loyola Chicago playing in the NBA. That's okay. It's all right. Don't be such a snob about it and say, well, I don't watch that kind of mess. That's nonsense. But here's the question that I do have for those college elitists. What professionals were playing for, let's say, Villanova in 1985? Ed Pinkney? He's a nice player. Good guy, sounds like. But I mean, that was the extent of the pros coming off of that team? What about when North Carolina State pulled one of the biggest upsets ever in 83 and knocked off Houston with that five slam jamma team? What big name pros were on that North Carolina State team? Because Houston had not one, but two future, not just NBA players, top 50 all-time NBA players in Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon. North Carolina State, what did they have? Like Thurl Bailey and Derek Wittenberg? And they won. They won the tournament. I mean, we saw the Indiana Hoosiers win with Steve Alford and Keith Smart. We saw Louisville win it all with Purvis Ellison. What did he do in the NBA? At the time, I think everyone thought he would, but he didn't. Kentucky. Kentucky won it all with Jeff Shepard. Here's the thing to remember when you're watching these games. The percentage of college players that actually go on to play professionally is less than 2%. The odds are not in your favor. We are probably not seeing future stars at every position in any of these games. So what do you think you're going to see when you turn on the tournament? Let me ask this. Do you feel like the best team won? Yeah, probably. I don't know if Villanova's a great team, but they're a very, very good team. They were very, very consistent every single game. They took on everybody's best punch, and they defended it, and they countered back, and they knocked people out. Hey, if that's the case, and we saw, maybe not the most talented team, but the best team win it all, then that's a pretty good tournament. Quit whining about March Madness. A couple other things we've heard coming out in college basketball this week. College basketball needs to make the three-point shot longer and widen that lane to encourage more post-play. There are just too many three-pointers. It's cheapening the game. It's too easy to hit those threes. Now, if you haven't heard that, that's been very, very loud on a major sports network lately. 
here's the thing. You can move the three-point line to the international line if you want, I guess. But widening the lane, that's just going to clog things up more. And did you just watch the way Villanova plays basketball? The way they move? Did you watch the way Loyola played basketball and see their movement, constant movement? It's harder to guard someone moving than it is standing still. You want to go back to 90s New York Knicks ball? Walking it up, iso ball, pounding it into the post? Yeah, that's what we need is more post play. I'm not hating on low post play or whatever. I'm just saying, is it that exciting to watch a guy shoot an eight-foot turnaround? I don't know if it's that exciting. I want the threes. I want the movement. I want the defense stretched. I want free flow to this game. This reminds me, and some of you might be too young, this reminds me of back in the 80s. And I was young too, so don't act like I'm that old. But back in the 80s, there was talk that maybe the big guys in the NBA were having too much of an impact on the game. We had the Twin Towers in Houston. Of course, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still very, very dominant in Los Angeles. Patrick Ewing was a young kid coming in, very, very talented, very good post player. So what they were starting to say, there was a popular opinion kind of going around, maybe we should raise the basket to 12 feet so they can't just dunk it every time. Now, who does raising the basket benefit? It sure isn't the little guys. And who does widening the lane or extending the three-point line benefit? Again, it's not free flow and movement. That's just going to clog things up even more. I know it's popular, and I would be, I guess, okay if they extended the three-point line just a hair. But other than that, slow down on rebuilding all these courts and changing the whole format of the court right now. It's a pretty good game as it is. We just watched a really, really good tournament. Slow down on all that. That sounds a little bit crazy. I've heard the hot take that maybe Villanova head coach Jay Wright should jump to the NBA. You know, he could be the next head coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. Imagine what he could do there. And he could do it at the NBA level. Wouldn't that be even better? Jay Wright would be perfect for that job. Hey, I love what Jay Wright's done. I'm a huge fan of Jay Wright. I love the way his teams play. I love the way they compete every night. I love the way they play basketball the right way. I like Jay Wright a lot. But first off, what exactly did Sixers head coach Brett Brown do? Like, how is he getting fired? He has the Sixers in the playoffs this year. They actually have a chance, maybe to even win a series or something. What did he do? Why is he getting fired? That doesn't make any sense. Now, I can't possibly know what is in Jay Wright's mind. But I will think about this. He's a Philadelphia guy. His wife went to Villanova. And from what I understand, he grew up cheering for Villanova. That makes me think he's probably pretty happy where he is, isn't he? Why would you want to go to the NBA? I mean, look at the kids he's getting right now. Think of some of the kids he has had. Jalen Brunson and Kyle Lowry and some of those talented kids that he had. Ryan Archidiakono. You're telling me he wants to go to the NBA and deal with players that he says, hey guys, here's the way we're going to do it. And they go, man, shut up. You make the least amount of everyone in this entire room. You're going to tell us what we ought to be doing? Man, shut your mouth. Go shopping for some new suits. You ain't telling us nothing. I got a feeling Jay Wright really doesn't want to get himself involved in that kind of nonsense. That sounds like that might be better off left to those NBA guys. Jay Wright seems more like a college guy. Seems like he gets it. Never, ever, ever. And this goes for Jay Wright. This goes for anybody. 
Never run from happiness. If you are happy where you are at, do not go try to find something else and run away from that happiness and say, well, that might be better over there. Like I said, I don't know what's in his mind. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. Hey, coming back, we will continue our weekly segment, the Daily Dose Overreactions of the Week, as we take a look at the new look Los Angeles Rams. Are they now the favorite in the NFL to win the whole thing? We'll talk about that when we get back. Just a quick reminder that if you've got any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. April's Loot Crate theme, it's called Artifacts, and it features items from Marvel Comics, Lord of the Rings, The Legend of Zelda, and The Dark Crystal. But if you go over to Loot Crate, and maybe those franchises aren't in your interest group, they have a million over there, and they've got pretty much any item you can think of. From clothes, stuff for your house, stuff for your desk, stuff for your work, stuff for your car, they have just about anything you can think of. Best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We will get you 10% off of your order. It's always good to save just a little bit of money when you can. Okay, so we're going to ahead and continue our weekly sports media overreactions of the week. Got a few things that I want to look at. A few things going on in the NFL I want to talk about real quick. Here is the new hot take. With all of the new additions to the Los Angeles Rams, they just traded for Brandon Cooks. They now have Ndamukong Sue. They've also got Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. Hey, the Los Angeles Rams are now the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. That team is stacked. Now, that's an easy take to have. And I know that's getting thrown around a lot. But we just saw in March Madness, the most talented team doesn't always win everything, right? So no, they are not actually the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Not quite yet. We're going to have to see them play a little bit. Right now, I still put Philadelphia right there. I know everyone's pushing New England up there just because of who they are and because of what they've done, but I would still have Philadelphia right there as my Super Bowl favorite, at least right now. But the question I have about the moves that the Los Angeles Rams have made and the players that they have gotten, aside from Aqib Tlaib, what have any of these guys ever won? Brandon Cooks made it to the Super Bowl last year. He's a young guy, talented guy, can get deep. Word on him is you hit him and he might go away. Ndamukong Sue has never won anything. Marcus Peters has never won anything. Now, here is the thing about the Los Angeles Rams that they are going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn how to win. They're going to have to learn how to play together. They will also have to do something that is very, very difficult for these young, talented teams like this. For this Rams group, it is going to be very, very important for them to learn how to win when they are expected to win. Hey, last season was all gravy. It was all easy. We expect the Rams to go like 7-9, and 8-8 eight eight every single year. They win 11 games. They host a playoff game. That's amazing. Everyone's all excited. Everyone's all hyped. Man, the Rams might really be it. The Rams might be the next contender. And then look how much talent they brought in. They're going to be even better this year. But now people expect them to do well. And I'm telling you right now, that can mess with your mindset. Pressure does crazy things to the human psyche. And now the Rams will have some pressure on them. They haven't dealt with that before. This young team, Jared Goff, I really like what I saw last year. I really like what I saw from that coaching staff last year. Now they got to do it with people expecting it. 
hey, you go out there, first game, you're playing Seattle, you're supposed to win. Do not drop this thing at home. You're playing San Francisco, you're supposed to win. Do not drop that game either. Expectations can do a very, very weird thing to teams. Let's see how they do in preseason. Let's see how they look. Let's see if that defense can come around and get better. I would think defensive coordinator Wade Phillips, very, very good coach. But now they're going to have to deal with expectations. That's a very, very different mindset. We saw this just last year with the Oakland Raiders. Remember the year before? Hey, look what Oakland did. They ended up losing Derek Carr, but man, did you see how good they were before that? Yeah, and then expectations hit, and we saw their season just go down the drain. Pressure does strange things to teams. Another thing we're hearing this week is that former UCLA head coach Jim Mora, he's kind of screwing his former quarterback, Josh Rosen, saying that Rosen isn't the best fit for Cleveland. What is he doing? Is he trying to sabotage this kid? What in the world is Mora doing? Jim Mora, who recruited Rosen, he told NFL's network path to the draft like, I don't know, a week or so ago, that he thinks the Cleveland Browns should take USC quarterback Sam Darnold with their number one pick. Not necessarily because he's more talented, but that he would be a better fit than Josh Rosen. Because of fit, he said, I would take Sam Darnold if I were the Cleveland Browns. I think he has that blue-collar, greedy attitude. I think his teammates are going to love him. I think the city will love him. He'll say the right things. He'll come in. He'll represent the city well. I think he kind of represents what Cleveland is. Everyone jumps on Moore and says, hey, what, does he hate Josh Rosen? Does he not like his own guy? He's going to make Josh Rosen fall in the draft. What in the world is he doing? Here's the thing. Jim Mora was fired from UCLA last year, right? Jim Mora wants another job. He wants to get back into coaching. It's what he's done his whole life. Does it help his cause if Josh Rosen is awful? Of course not. He wants Josh Rosen to look good when he does get on the field because then he says, hey, and by the way, I know I got fired, but I had something to do with that guy. And here's the other thing. Cleveland has ruined far better quarterbacks than anyone in this draft class. Like they've ruined some really, really talented guys, some big arm, big, strong guys. Cleveland has ruined them. Of course he doesn't want him going to Cleveland. There's a good chance he's going to look terrible. Jim Mora doesn't want that at all. Another popular take we're hearing this week is that Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell is worth a lot more than the Steelers are giving him. Hey, this guy is just undervalued. He's worth way more than that. I know they're trying to bargain and get a long-term deal set, but man, the Steelers are just lowballing him and he is worth more than that. You know how much you're worth? You're worth exactly what you can get paid. You ever have a friend, maybe they have a car, a house or whatever it is, and they're telling you how much it's worth and then it comes time to sell it and they don't get what they think it's worth? Yeah, that's because you know how much something is worth? Exactly how much you can get for it. Nothing more, nothing less. If they're not giving Le'Veon Bell any more money, then I guess he's not worth more money. He's worth whatever he gets. He's not exactly in the soup line. Like Le'Veon Bell is still going to be, you know, putting food on the table. But is he worth more than what they're giving him? Apparently not because they're not giving it to him. So apparently he's not worth that. A couple more takes we have this week. We have a take that the Oakland Raiders cut their punter Marquette King because of his personality. Yes, John Gruden just doesn't like that flamboyant personality. So he cut him. That was it. Yeah. Or else it was the money. 
I'm going to go ahead and say it was probably the money. Because here's the thing. In 2016, the Raiders signed their punter, Marquette King, to a five-year, $16.5 million extension with $12.5 million bucks guaranteed. For a punter? Hey, if he is a good punter, at the right price, he can do cartwheels down the field. But paying a punter like $3 million bucks a year? You can go draft a punter right now that's going to be at least average. Like, he doesn't have to be great, but just average. I can go draft one this year and pay him, like, the league minimum. That's not about personality. I don't care about personality. Can he punt? Yes. How much does he cost? That's the only two questions you have. Oh, what does he do? Run around the field and wave his arms? Oh, no, we can't have that. There's no arm waving on this new Raider team. Really? That's what you think? It's personality? This isn't personality. This is checkbook. Man, whenever somebody says it's not about money, it's usually about money. Our final sports overreaction of the week, and this one's just kind of funny to me. We're going to switch out of the NFL. We're going to switch over to the fight game. And this take is crazy. And if you go look out there, it's actually pretty popular. There are people saying that Floyd Mayweather is going to fight Conor McGregor again, but this time in the octagon. And here is the take. Nothing would give Floyd Mayweather more fame than fighting Conor McGregor in the octagon. I'm not kidding. You can go find this take. It's not that hard. I found it. I didn't have to search. Yeah. Nothing would give Floyd Mayweather more fame than fighting Conor McGregor in the octagon. Yeah. Also, nothing would give him a reason to be on life support like fighting Conor McGregor in the octagon either. Here's the thing. Floyd Mayweather ducked every good fighter ever in his career. He fought Canelo when he was just a kid. He wouldn't fight Manny Pacquiao until he was an old man. The closest thing to a risk that Floyd Mayweather ever took was when he fought Oscar De La Hoya, who was a little bit past his prime, but like kind of just on the edge of just past his prime, on the backside of his career, not too far past. And that fight ended up in a split decision that he could have lost. You really think Floyd Mayweather, a guy that doesn't like to get hit, is going to get in the octagon with Conor McGregor and get his life flashing before his eyes and end up with a piece of luggage strapped to his face? I got news for you. Floyd Mayweather is never getting in the octagon with a real fighter. And I know, I know, never say never. I'm saying never. That's never going to happen. Closest thing he's going to get into is like a WWE ring where they pretend to hit each other because he doesn't like getting hit. And if he gets in the octagon, oh, he's going to get hit a lot. Hey, tomorrow is Friday. And of course, we will be looking at the latest sports news and stories. We will also, as we do every Friday, preview the weekend in sports. We've got some interesting things coming up this weekend in sports with college basketball now over. Plus, as we do every single Friday, we will have our Daily Dose Top 5. So you know you have to tune in for that. Hey, I have to say thank you so much for listening to the Daily Dose every day. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the questions and the suggestions. It is all very appreciated. Make sure that you don't miss a single episode of The Dose by subscribing wherever it is that you listen. Just click that little subscribe or follow button, and that will make sure you won't miss a single episode of The Dose. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.